So here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Fan Social. It's me as ever, Ross, bringing you the thoughts from the KOA Army week in, week out. And um, well, we saw our first win of the season against Forest Green on the weekend, uh, of course, since we last recorded. And we've also been knocked out of the League Cup by good old Colchester. The old dogs of Luke Chambers and co knocked us out. Um, and also we saw some sexy stuff. Richie Keogh is now a town player. Um, I am joined by Deberton George, good old Alex is back, and Steve Mellon, who I bumped in to at Forest Green Rover, is going to discuss all things town. Let's go and get right into it and introduce George, who is making his debut. You may have seen his face around because he has made a few game day appearances as well. But George, welcome to the show. How are you doing, my friend? You're at Forest Thanks. Green. How was that experience, my friend? Well, I'm finally out of Forest Green. It took us about five hours to get out. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. This is great. You might have seen me on game today. I sort of feel like I've I've done all right as a substitute appearance. Now I've been drafted into the main team. So uh, I'm pleased to be here. But yeah, Forest Green, what can you say about it? Other than the win, the whole day is, wasn't great. But listen, we did what we needed to do. We got the win. Um, a nightmare getting there. I took the train and train cancellations, but that's why we love it. And uh, I'll do it again, but um, yeah, I'm pleased we got the win and uh, that'll do for me. Thought we played all right. Nothing. I thought the atmosphere didn't really get going. I don't know whether it was the heat or, you know, when you've got those open top away ends, they don't always kick off like at Gillingham, for example. But um, yeah, got the job done and uh, I'll be interested to hear what other people thought because I, I thought we just played all right. I didn't think it was amazing. Again, could have been more clinical, but I'm sure we'll go into that with the coaches again later. But uh, yeah, I, um, I'm pleased we got the win and that'll do. Indeed, my friend. And if you want to be like George, if you want to make your debut on the fan social, get in contact with me at Ross Media UK. It's always good to get some more voices and grow the KOA Army. And um, let's go right to Alex then, who has been part of the KOA Army for over a year now. He's, he's always been a fine gentleman. I bumped to, into him in the home end of Forest Green, eating some food. Uh, Alex, how are you doing, my friend? And uh, how was your experience of Forest Green? I'm very well, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, having lived in New Zealand for a long time, this is the first, actually the first time I've been able to go at the first two games of the season with town. So um, it's been brilliant. I've absolutely loved that experience of being able to really go at the first two games, get a taste for the boys. I, I love every minute of it. My Forest Green experience was not great. Um, we, My... Saffron Walden contacts got tickets for the home end because we couldn't get tickets for the away end. Um, so we thought well, we've still got to go. And um, yeah, one area to get a beer, one area to get some food, middle of nowhere, um, took forever queuing. Um, the staff couldn't serve me beer when I got there because they were underage. And um, they teased you with the beer before the game and said, we won't serve it till half time. Um, I was just flabbergasted at how not built for football, Forest Green was. Thank goodness we won. Um, nice pitch. It's got a big lump in the middle. Um, but yeah, it was. it's part and parcel of being in League One, isn't it? And um, just so chuffed we won. And uh, maybe we can go into that a little bit greater detail. But I'm not planning on going back there again. Fingers crossed we won't be in the <laughs> same league. Season. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of mixed reviews of um, the Forest Green first ever visit there because, um, yeah, it's nice scenery and all that. It's a nice part of the world. But, um, yeah, food and the queues and everything. And, Steve, you, you're safe. There was an outdoor bit with just three benches and then this huge <laughs> vacant space with no other benches. So they're like, here you go, I have three benches. And then the 800 other people, you just stand around and do what you like. 
it, it wasn't built. It's not ready. It's not finished. It's not done. Never again. Cheers, Ross. Yes, mate, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people got sunburned because there's not much cover there either. Uh, that was very interesting. And uh, yeah, Steve, I bumped into you at Forest Green. Welcome back to the show. Um, of course, safe Southwest Town fans are loving it this season because there's so many teams down there. Uh, the first one was Forest Green Rovers. Um, what's your experience of Forest Green Rovers? Yeah, I feel a bit bad, to be honest, because uh, I've spoken to a lot of mates who had very long journeys, very complicated journeys. Um, I drove out of Bristol, went along the M4 one junction, drove through a couple of fields. Sorry, not through the fields, alongside the fields. And I was there. So parked in the primary school next to the stadium, the match day parking, well, match day parking. Uh, their card machine wasn't working, so it was free. So I had a slightly different experience. Um but yeah, it's it's um, it felt like going to a preseason friendly, didn't it? The the size of the stadium, um, very small town. It was their first home league one game, wasn't it? And it wasn't wasn't sold out, I don't think. So it's it's it, it's, it's not a football town in some senses. Um, but yeah, as others have said, it's a good thing we won because um, a lot of people had quite stressful days out. Um, but I wasn't one of them. No. Definitely not. Um, well, with Forest Green has, has been covered all bases on the main podcasts and you know, articles and stuff, but I want to quickly just get your, your quick snap thoughts on the game, actually, George. Um, so quickly, yeah. just what was your main takeaways from the Forest Green Rovers win? Well, I, I mean, I have to agree as well. It did just feel like a pre-season friendly. Everyone just felt like they were ticking over. Uh, I think the, the main thing I would say is that how well drilled we looked. I thought that we um, we played the ball so well. But that concern of going one nil down and so nearly going two nil down, um, that's got a we've got to snap out of that. And without jumping ahead, I thought the same thing could have happened last night as well. Um, Tuesday night, sorry. So um, yeah, I think we're we're drilled. We're looking good, but yeah, defensively we need to um, tighten up when we can see. But again, I can say that. But then they had that spell. But afterwards, there was nothing really that they did. So. It's just um, game management a little bit, but I was I was happy enough, and there was plenty to build on. So, indeed, and Alex, you you were in the home end, um, so you probably weren't able to celebrate the goals too much. But it was good that we we scored some goals, got the win on the board. Uh, what was your main takeaways from the game? Yeah, they were great goals, weren't they? Fantastic, both brilliant finishes. Um, it was it was just it was a it was a tight pitch. Difficult game. It's so early in the season. It's, it's very difficult to judge. I agree with George. What is exciting is that we do seem to have patterns of play. There seems to be an identity that um, Kieran Kenner is trying to establish in how we play the game. Playing out from the back, playing through the lines, being very patient in what we do, opening them up and stretching. So you can definitely see how we're trying to play. And I think that's exciting. Hey, look, when you go to Forest Green and, and scramble away and you tune it up, I was I was very nervous in that second half because th that came from nowhere. The goal and then their pressure came from nowhere. And suddenly, if it wasn't for Walton's incredible double save, I mean, that was absolutely brilliant. And a save oh. in the first half as well. Um, it could have been very different, but last 15 minutes was great. And I think we managed the pressure. Then for the last 15 minutes, we looked like we could score again. But again, it's just that situation where we're still not scoring enough goals. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Indeed. And uh, Steve, to sort of round off the Forest Green Rovers chat, um, a lot of town fans at half-time were coming to me and going, 
Ross, it's not going to be 2.0 Cambridge, is it? It's not going to be Cambridge all over again, tuning up and cruising and all that jazz. And then uh, <laughs> Forest Green got a goal back and had a goal disallowed. Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, it, is it, I think Alex is spot on in that um, we, the difference perhaps this season, although it's early days, is that we might be able to shut down situations like that. It didn't remind me of Cambridge, but it did remind me of Cheltenham away, where we were so in control, went 1-0 up. And it, at the time that Bond missed that sitter, I wasn't actually that bothered because I thought, well, we've got so much possession, we're just going to win by two or three anyway. And then we literally soiled our pants when they got that goal back. And we just fell apart at Cheltenham because because a big bloke launched some long throws into the box. Whereas on on Saturday at Forest Green, now they yeah, they, they got the goal out of nowhere. Then they had the disallowed goal. And I'm, we were all looking at each other thinking, oh, it's not going to happen again, is it? But then... To be fair, even though we had nine minutes of injury time and a Paul Cook team would have conceded about six goals in nine minutes of injury time, the subs came on and we just shut it down, um, which is comforting, really, to think that we perhaps have got a bit more of nous about us to close a game out. Indeed. And yeah, George mentioned it, game management. We've got some game management now. Kieran McKenna can use those nine minutes and decide we're not gonna we're not gonna blow this away. We're gonna go and get the win, all three points, happy days. Okay then. Let's um, segue into um, maybe not a happy day, happy night at Portman Road. League Cup in town, Colchester, Luke Chambers and co. The old dogs coming in and, um, yeah, rotation. Same old story, knocked out in the first round. I wasn't there, but George, um, what's your what's your thoughts overall? A, a disappointing to defeat, to be knocked out of the cup. We'll, we'll talk about rotation as a, a set topic because that's always a massive topic going into this. But what's your thoughts overall on the, the defeat? I was going to come on to uh, game day afterwards, and I'm pleased I didn't because I needed to just get out of get out of Ipswich. Then um, it was one of those games. It just reminded me so much of every frailty we've had over the last few few months, where we're trying to score the perfect goal, trying to play perfect football all the time, and one mistake, and you're done. And um, Steve or Alex, I'm not sure who just said. Um, it could have happened to Forest Green. We're trying to play perfect football. We get caught once and we nearly get caught again. And um, yeah, we made we made Frank Newball look good, which worried me. But forgetting all of that, I thought that we absolutely dominated that first half an hour and should have been out of sight. And we're not clinical enough. And it concerns me. It genuinely does concern me because um, we've seen it before. But under McKenna, you do just have a little bit more optimism that he's the sort of man that will find an answer out of something. But listen, we need we need to to vary up a little bit. We can't just keep trying to pass it in the net. And Boris Green was an example of that, where we have two really really great finishes, and and that's what you need. Um, yeah, but I was I wasn't a happy man coming out of the ground on on Tuesday because especially the way the Colchester fans acted. Well, I'm sure we'll go into that, but um, the way that game was was set up and the way it was built. To, to lose in that manner as well. I, we've got a Colchester fan who I work with and I, I said, I didn't feel like you lo- you lost to Ipswich, you lost to Raheem Harper because that's how it felt. You know, it was that one mistake and uh, that's it though, isn't it? You know, that's what that's what teams do. They'll sit in, they'll wait for a mistake and they'll take it. And we can create 25 chances, but if we don't score, then another, another year of out in round one. Yeah, it's the, the same theme, um, Alex, um, getting knocked out of the first round of the League Cup, Carabao Cup, Coca-Cola Cup, Carling Cup, whatever it's called nowadays. Um, 
a disappointing night at Portland Road. You know, after winning our first game of the season, happy days, happy with the performance. Sam Morsey running the show. Then, um, yeah, Tuesday night at Portland Road wasn't a good night, was it? Uh, what's your thoughts overall on that? Right, I'm going to do it quickly. I'm absolutely effing furious with Lerm Tuesday night. <laughs> I am disgusted. I'm disgusted with the whole thing, and I'll rant through it quickly. Ten changes, too many. That's absolutely ridiculous. Winning is a habit. Football is about confidence. It's about getting on a run. It's about building momentum. This game was really important to Ipswich Town fans, the majority of us. This game was really important. Not that it was just Colchester, but that was important. But we don't win cup games. We have probably the worst record of cup wins of any side in the top three divisions. That's difficult to prove, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. We are dreadful in the cup competitions. To make 10 changes and then throw 10 players in and then lose against Colchester at home, we got it totally wrong. But Kenna, after the game, we wanted to go through in the competition. No, really? They'd be Kieran. Oh, cheers for that. Um, the performance was mixed. No, it wasn't. It wasn't good enough. We should have cut that team open. We were in utter and complete control, and it's a cup competition. So they sit on the edge after they've got something to hang on to. All teams that come to Portman Road sit on the edge of the box if they've got something to hang on to. It's not a difference that it's a cup competition. That happens in every time we go... One nil down at home. They sit and we can't break them down. The cup competition is irrelevant. I thought we had enough balls in the box. It's about moving on quickly. It's not about moving on quickly to the 12,000 people that paid for those tickets in a recession to go to that game and we just move on quickly. Right, Hutchie and Heathy did the thing this morning where they had their pod, so I had a listen. Hutchie was so blasé. Oh, it is what it is. It is what it is. Made 10 changes. They couldn't recover. We just move on. There's bigger fish to fry. No, you don't pay for tickets, do you, Hutchie? You come along, drink your nice little uh, glass of lager, find three to four hundred words, do two interviews and go home. You don't spend any money. People are spending money. Why not play Ladapo? Why not give him a run and get him going against a lesser side to get his confidence up? Why change 10? He said after the game, um, when we had a setback, um, the, the players weren't up to speed. The players weren't up to speed to, to get into the rhythm of the game. So what was the thinking then? Did we just think that we were going to turn up and cruise through? Hutchie said, oh, it was a win at Portman Road for Colchester. And I get it because it's the first time they've won there. But winning at Portman Road is no big deal for anyone anymore. We are a crap mid-table League One side. And it's that arrogance that we have that we think we can make 10 changes and think it's all right. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, 2020, but they got it completely wrong. You should have kept four or five players still in that team and taken them off after half time. And then for us to just be so limp again raises the point that we don't get behind teams and we desperately need a striker. Desperately. Or Ladapo needs a 10-game run to get going. But for me, they got it wrong. The response was poor. The media are blasé about it. Tell you what, if I'd spent 50 quid with my kids going in that game, I'd have been jarred off. It's not good enough. We need to be better in those competitions and we need to try and commit a little bit more to them because we're sick of losing these games and they got it wrong. And it's McKenna's first big mistake for me and I'm furious about it. And that's me. I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> there is well, a mediocrity. There is, sorry, Ross. There is a mediocrity amongst town fans, some town fans, where we are blasé about it and we think, oh, it's just another, another tournament. But Alex is spot on. 
it's not another tournament to to most fans, and especially losing to Colchester the way they were acting. And yeah, we we were we were blasé last year when we lost to Newport, and we said, "Oh, it's all right, we'll get going, we create chances." But what happened? We finished eleventh, whatever it was. I, just, I didn't like the response. I thought McKenna could have said, "It's on me. It's my responsibility." Maybe there were too many changes. Sorry to the twelve thousand that have come out tonight, and I'll take it on board. It's my. He was like, "Oh, it wasn't too bad. We didn't respond. They weren't in the rhythm of the game. If they're not professional footballers who can get into a rhythm of a game, then don't pick them. Pick four or five that are in the side that are settled. Give Ladapo a chance to score." Because Jackson and John Jules and Harper have come away with no boosting confidence whatsoever. If anything, that's worked against them. And how can you expect John Jules and Jackson to go and score goals in front of eight players that haven't played together before? What's the expectation there? It was a joke. Sorry, I'm done. That's fine, Alex. I was bracing myself for a rant for tonight because, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good performance, getting knocked out. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always annoyed with rotation because... You want that winning mentality, you know that Not team 10. just won against Forest Green. Ten is just yeah. We've, I know we that's the running theme in this competition. Um, get ready, Alex, for Hutchie to drop in your DMs if he's listening to this. <laughs> um, but we shall see. Um, but Steve, um, your thoughts on what Alex just said and, and bounce off where everyone else, George, get involved as well. Talk about rotation. Talk about you know all things League Cup because yeah, it's it's the same old story in this competition. Yeah, I think what Alex has demonstrated is that is that as town fans, we're pretty sick of um, constantly failing in the cups. And you know, chances are, if we'd beaten Colchester and then got through to play a Premier League team, we would have lost. But at least we would have had a big day out or a big night at Portman Road. Um, I suppose playing devil's advocate, if we looked through all the teams that played last night or the night before. 95% of them would have made a load of changes. It's just what people do in the League Cup. My issue with that game really is that I look at that team and I'm and I'm concerned that it couldn't beat Colchester. No, I, I wasn't there. I listened to it on the radio. It sounded like we had all the ball. Um, but it concerns me a bit that players like uh, Edwards, um, Jackson, aren't really taking their chances when they come along. Um and then Rakeem Harper. The, the thing about the pass that led to their goal is if, if someone tries an ambitious ball upfield and it gets cut out by the other team, you think, well, that's annoying, but at least I can see what you were trying to do. You were trying to get a man in or get, get inside the fullback. I can't work out what he was trying to do. Yeah, what, they're, what... Sti- Go on. they're sticking to your principles and they're being stupid. And that's what he was doing. It's all right playing from the back. Stick to your principle. I'm all for it. But don't be stupid, and that's what he was, and that's the reason we're out of the competition. So, but it it it, it didn't even feel like he was trying to play out from the back. It was almost like he'd got a bet on coaches to winning. <laughs> yeah, you would never you would never play that ball in any circumstance, even if you were you know a Pep Guardiola team. So I mean, it's 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 different circumstances every year. So I was at um, Old Trafford when we played Man United, and Mick basically put out our reserves. And we were all in the concourse and we saw the teams come up. And we were like, oh, man alive, we're going to get hammered. And we couldn't believe what he'd done. I didn't feel that when I saw the team on Tuesday. I thought, well, that's too many changes for me, but that team should still beat Colchester. Um, and I think there's there's some players on the fringe of the first team squad there that need to realise um, they need to back their ideas up. I, I really like Carl Edwards, but I'm still waiting for him to fire properly. You know, a couple of nutmegs and some Cruyff turns in the game 
now and then isn't good enough. He's li he's living off Cheltenham away at the moment, isn't he? Carl Edwards. I thought it was yeah. exceptional that game, but he's just not not there. See, I don't think that it's um it, it's counterproductive to put all those players in a jumble and throw them out there and expect them to perform and score and have have any fluidity. That's not going to happen. And then when McKenna said after the game that once we went one down, the players didn't have the rhythm or the, or the amount of the game time to get us back into it. Well, what were you expecting? You were expecting to turn up and win that game. Or you were arrogant enough to think that it was a, a good gamble to make 10 changes. And it, hindsight's wonderful, but it, 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 it didn't work on so many levels for me. It was a really poor night. And the response I didn't like, and I love McKenna, and I love all the boys, I love the team. More than anything, 38 years of supporting this team. But I didn't like that response. I didn't like the media going, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's that arrogant Ipswich thing. We are a crap League One mid-table side for three years who haven't been near the playoffs. Winning is important. It's a habit. And that was an opportunity for us to go three games unbeaten at the start of the season. To me, that was a bigger picture and they should have thought about that. And you ask any town fan over the last 20 years, what was their best moment? And it was that Thomas Prispian goal against Arsenal. And what competition was that in? And you want yeah. me to go out in round one to Colchester and smile about it? It's just the response made me angry. That's all. The response, they got it wrong. Hold your hands up and say, right, we'll do it differently next time. You know, or just say, because that was wrong. And to, he, within, within 20 seconds, McKenna said, we've got bigger fish to fry and we're moving on quickly. Not the people who are still in traffic who bought tickets for the game. 12,000 at that, that game. That's an incredible attendance. I couldn't believe the numbers. I know Colchester bought their lockdown, but then they get to smash up the place and go home and get rowdy at the train station. Really, really grind, grind my gears, that did. Alex, I'll, I'll ask done. you, um, how, many of those, how many of those starting 11 would have got into Colchester's team on, on Tuesday? I would argue all of them. The majority, without a doubt. You'd have to think so, wouldn't you? I, I said on the WhatsApp thing, God, looking at the squad, wow, look at the squad where we are. You know, we've got a good squad here, haven't we? He's trying to get two players in each position or something close to. And then they played like that. And it wasn't a humble but, enough response. We need to remember where we are and how tough it is to going to get out of this league. It's going to be tough. What, con what concerns me more is when he brings on the four first-team players and nothing changes either. Yes, that's the other thing. So he does care. So what if Burns comes on and gets snobbled? Let those 11 sort it out. Or, or bring yeah. on some... Other French players don't then throw on harness and burns so they could be kicked by chambers and maybe novelled. What no does that sense. do for the confidence either? What, that, what, what, what McKenna was saying after 70 minutes is you lot aren't good enough, so I'm going to bring on my actual players. Absolutely. How does that make them feel? What does that do within yeah. the squad unit? Not good. I find it hard. I find it hard to criticise McKenna because I love him, but I, I agree with everything you said. I hate saying this, I really do, but I've, it's been bubbling up all day, Ross. So you what? No. At the end of the day, guys, you know, there's been a lot of positivity going on on and off Absolutely. the pitch, um, and I think we can't just like now shy away because you know, oh, we're, it's all still happy. Of course, obviously, we're not going to win the League Cup. Like realistically, it's not going to happen, is it? We're not going to win it. We're, we, you know, no. but it's nice to actually progress, as, as George said. Me as a town fan as well. My only highlight in the last 20 years has been the League Cup semi-final against Arsenal, Thomas Preston scoring. Um, and that is yeah. against Cardiff. Joe Piggott scored. Yeah. Now, that was a bit, that's a big deal for him, getting off the mark. And if Ladapo had played, maybe he'd have scored in front of the Port Monroe fans. Maybe that gives him... Strikers run on confidence. Yeah? 
and and it and it hurts them, but they don't score. And it was an opportunity missed for me. Yeah, I was hoping. I was hoping Freddie Ladapo was going to start, and he could score a goal, and that's him up and running. But he didn't start, Ooh. and that's a shame. And there was, um, there was Steve, no reason why he couldn't start. I'm sorry, yeah. there was no reason why he couldn't start. We're, we're three games into the season. Absolutely. Yeah. If Sam Morsey was one. playing, if Sam Morsey was playing on Tuesday, we wouldn't have lost that game. I was, I was a bit surprised that Sam Morsey wasn't going to start. I thought, you know, he scored a great goal on Saturday and I thought he, he'd want to be continuing that winning run. I know it's a cup game, it's Colchester League 2 and stuff, but still, you know, an opportunity to still... He wants to play football. I'm sure he wants to play football. All and players, I know, want, to All players yeah. want to play, Ross, and winning is a real habit, whether it's the Tim Pot Cup or whatever. You, you start breeding that in players and, and, and it's, it's, it's unrealistic to throw players in and then expect them to go and perform well. Just when they haven't played together as a side in for 90 minutes. I know it's early. I know it's no big deal, but I just felt the reaction and the response. And it smacks of arrogance to me. And uh, we need to get we need to get rid of that double quick. Maybe McKenna's being blinded by the lights. He's on good remuneration. It's a big job. He thinks it's okay to just go out and turn out and play like that. Well, I don't. That was a big game for us, and they just got they got it wrong for me. McKenna got that wrong. I'd have, I'd have definitely started the Dapo, but I would have I would have rested Morsey because I was at the Bolton game and I was at Forest game. He is he is head and shoulders above most of our players and most of the opposition players. So he's he's yeah. the one that has to be wrapped yeah. in cotton wool for me. Absolutely, yeah. I, I agree that he probably shouldn't have started. I just think that it just showed how you know clinical he is to our side. Really, I think we we're a different we we're a different team without him in it. Yeah, totally, definitely. Well, um, it's been interesting. Different thoughts, different debates going on in this podcast so far. I um, hope you've enjoyed, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's talk about some sexy stuff now. Let's let's remove the Colchester game. It happened. We're out of the cup. Not happy. Um, hopefully, we can bounce back on the weekend. Um, but good fortune, you, Alex. You know, I, I was bracing myself for Suffolk, and um, I know you always bring the good goldness here. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the sexy stuff, though. Richard Keogh, um has signed for the football club. Um, 36 years of age. And as a lot of listeners know, if you're over the age of 30, you're out, you're getting the bin. Um, but you know what? I like this signing. I actually really like this signing. Um, not, you know, experienced player, um, really good interview. George, what was your thoughts, mm. first of all, when you saw Richard Keir was linked and then it got confirmed he's signing for the club? I've done a full 180 on this transfer, actually. When I, when I first saw him linked, I thought, what was the point? I thought, why is McKenna bringing in somebody that's, I think older than him or the same age or whatever. I thought, what does that do for Morsey? You know, someone coming in who's older, been a captain, got more experience. Does that cause a bit of a dynamic there? I thought it was a bit of a pointless signing. I thought we don't really need a centre-back, especially when we've got Don Ball that can play there. But as the days sort of went on, and by the time it was confirmed and I'd I'd heard more reasonable uh, arguments, I'm, I'm fully on board with it. And you know, I didn't realise he started his career here. I don't. I'm not sure if many people did, or maybe I. I just don't know. But um, yeah, he's a bit of a. He, he's just sort of completes that sort of centre back puzzle. You know, we don't really have to worry about that. And I think I, I saw somebody on Twitter say he's like the Sonny Aluko of centre back. You know, he's just got experience. He's not going to play every week, but he'll do. And yeah, I think you know what any other League One side would be happy to have him. So what gives me the right to be annoyed about it? So. All the, I wish him all the best, but um, indeed, I'm, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and um, and Alex, 
you know, we won't go into what happened with a derby, but he's had to bounce back from that situation. And he's, you know, now played for Huddersfield, MK Dons, played a full season championship with Blackpool. Um, wasn't week in, week out, as you can see. I'm now repping a Blackpool shirt. I'm not. It's just orange, very orange. Um, but Alex, what's your thoughts on, on this signing as a whole? Yeah, I think nearly 700 pro games in total, which is a, an incredible record. Obviously, the car accident uh, incident was highly publicised. Everybody's got an opinion on it. From Simon Jordan to everybody, no one really knows the truth about that. There's a lot of interesting stuff about it. The, the one big thing I saw was the response from Blackpool supporters who have all come out en masse and said, thank you so much for everything you've done. You're a diamond. We understand why you're leaving for your beer family. They love him there. And, and I think that's a really good sign. We talked about having a hairy-ass centre-back. Was that is that the phrase that goes around? He's about as hairy-ass as he's going to get. He's rock hard. Um, he's he's hard as nails. He's a big, airy monster. And I love them. Um, it's very interesting. When we have chats on K of A on, on the WhatsApp group, I don't get involved a lot. I generally just read what everyone else says. Richard Keogh was not a name that was being thrown around by anybody. He's probably the most high-profile player we have, isn't he? It's, it's a big name. Everyone knows who Richard Keogh is in the game. So, yeah, it's fascinating. I think it shows the game changer of backing McKenna. McKenna wants cover. He wants good cover in every position. That's what he's looking for, that strength in depth. Um, I didn't even, I didn't even, where is Don Ball, by the way? But you're right about, sorry, about Don Ball being able to play centre-backs. That's, that's another option. I forgot about him. Um, we don't have, we don't have enough nastiness to steal. I've said this before. Fucking yeah. Morsey has it, but we need more of it. Wolfie isn't vocal. Danassi isn't vocal. Burgess certainly wasn't vocal at Forest Green. So that voice is really good off the pitch, covering each position, positive influence. We've got money. If we can just go and buy a centre-back when essentially he's not even going to walk in the team. I don't get this rumour that Danassian's going to step aside. I don't think that's going to happen. How can, how can it? Danassian's been far too good. I think he's happy with what we've got. But there will be injuries. One of those, one of those will be nobbled at some point. And it's great to have that in there. So... Yeah, um, how can it's definitely not a negative. It was just the huge shock factor. Why are we getting in another centre-back when we need a striker? But um, there it is. He's here. It's great to have him here. Um, welcome to him. Hope he does well. Great to have that experience. It's, there's no negative to it. I'm just interested in when he plays. I've got absolutely no idea when's he going to play. And that'll be really interesting to see it when he does. And does he force someone out? Surely fridges are given. Danassian to me is a given and Wolfie's a given. Is it mm. for a four? Is it for a three? I don't know. McKenna's got his plan and uh, welcome to Richard. It's uh, definitely a surprise signing. It just doesn't feel like a McKenna signing, does it? That's what I think the yeah, main, main thing really surprised. It's a Paul Cook signing, really. That That's who I... Th we could have got him at the start of last year. Yeah. But all the best with yeah, and um, as you said, Alex, um, with injuries, injuries happen, don't they? And um, like Wolfen pulled out of the Forest Green game because he was ill. And um, yeah, Richard Keogh could have gone right into it. I know Cameron Burgess came in and did really well, but that's going to happen. Illnesses and injuries. Um, so I think that's why he's there. And I think it's going to be fantastic for the dressing room. Um, and I think we don't have many leaders like him in the dressing room. Really, you know, We've got Morsey, we've got other players like that, but not like Richard Keogh, who's been around the block. And a, a great story, as George said, it, you know, full circle. He was here as a trainee, a ball boy and all that sort of stuff. Come back to the club where it all began. Uh, I know his granddad was a, a season ticket holder, I think, as well back in the day. But Steve, um, what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it was interesting the way it came out of the blue. As you know, there's a lot of in the know um, Twitter accounts and stuff, and no one saw it coming. Um, 
Yeah, like the others have said, I, I don't see a downside. He was playing in the division above last season and seems to have done very well. Probably still got another couple of good years left in him. Um, I don't know where he fits in at the moment, but it will be interesting to see. The only thing I'd say is that um, I thought Cameron Burgess did really well at Forest Green in the air. In the air, he was brilliant, and he should be because he's an absolute unit. On the ground, slightly suspect. He probably should have got a red card late on. Um, and that, that chance came up, came, it was just a hopeful ball forward, really. So he, he can probably learn off someone like Keir. Because I think Cameron Burgess can be a very good player, will be a very good player for us. But perhaps learning off someone like Keir, who's been around the block a few times, might help. But yeah, be interesting to see when he will play. We obviously haven't signed him to play in the League Cup. That's the one thing we can't <laughs> No, um, of course. And I felt got a bit the... sorry for yeah. him as well, in that he's his unveiling and all the social media stuff was the day after the Colchester game when we're all still cross about that um, and, and the Colchester game showed that we need a striker but that's that's not his fault because presumably that transfer been going on for a few days it's just bad timing I think the good thing is it was sort of like linked it was rumoured or reported um, I think the Blackboard Gazette and then Andy reported it so it's sort of like we knew it was probably going to happen and yeah they released it on the day I'm sure they did the pictures on the Tuesday afternoon and then they're hoping, oh, a nice win on Tuesday against Cholchester. But nope, nope, nope. It wasn't the case. Um, there we go. Richard Keir, the seventh signing of the summer. Um, well, boys, let's 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 add some nonsense to this podcast. We had a lot of great chat. So it's time for the strike. A chance for you guys to battle head to head to be crowned the strike champion this week. George making his debut. How's he going to get on? Good old Alex and Steve. Uh, we have four questions plus a tiebreaker if needed. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, play at home. Always good to get you involved and let us know how you get on. So question one, boys, let me get my, my answers up. And hopefully mm -hmm. I haven't put the correct answer in the question. Just going to double check quickly. I have done it once on one of them. So I'm just going to quickly remove the commas. Uh, there we go. That's always good to check that because that would have been a very rookie move. And as you very much know, I do that a lot. Uh, anyway, question one is on Richard Keogh, the man we've been talking about. Good old Richard Keogh. Now, we all want to know this, don't we? We all want to know his middle name. What is his middle name then, boys? Is it David, John or William? As you can see, I've gone very British, very old British names there because um, he has got a very old British middle name, um, a very common British name um, as his middle name. But is it David, John or William? Uh, yeah, try to read it out. Richard, David Keogh, Richard, John Keogh, Richard, William Keogh. What sounds better? Um Okay, then, George, what do you reckon? You know, absolutely no idea. He's, he's, he plays for Ireland, doesn't he? Yes. And I don't know. I'll put David down, but, um, okay. yeah, no idea. Alex? William? William, okay. Steve? No idea. Oh, we've got a full house here. We've got a full house <laughs> of different ones. Um, before we actually announce it, uh, my, my middle name is David. Uh, what's your middle name, George? I have... Two, Albert and Charlie. But I'm not a posh boy. It just makes me sound like one. Yeah. Um, Alex, what's yours? Uh, Justin, as in uh, Timberlake. Yes, yes, definitely Justin Timberlake. And then Steve? Don't have one. Doesn't have one? Interesting. I'm one of five kids. I think my parents could be bothered to think of middle names. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we've got, we've got enough kids to try to think of the first name. First of all, middle names, just, yeah, it's just a bonus if we fancy it. Um, okay, then. The correct answer is... John. John. I knew it was John. John. Richard John Yeah. Good old John. So Steve has taken the lead early doors. And the next question 
is on the man who celebrated his birthday this week, and it's good old Pablo Canago. Ole, 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 Pablo, Pablo. <laughs> uh, how many goals did he score for town in 243 games? Closest to the correct answer gets the point. Um, can Steve make it 2 0, or is George and Axe going to get back in the game? So, 243 uh, games in total, of course, two different spells. Of course, the, the Coventry late winner always lives in the memory. Um, of course, he's got some other great goals as well. Um, Charlton, that game. Charlton back heel. Yeah, Charlton. yeah oh, back heel as well, yeah. And he also scored a good goal against Portsmouth as well. He just, yeah, very good goal that was. Um, as Steve is taking the lead at the moment, let's um, go to you, Steve. How many goals do you reckon? I said 44. 44, okay. Alex? Uh, I said more, I said 78. 78, okay. George? 63. Ooh, now someone is very close. And as I said, I didn't say actually, if you get it bang on, you get two points. And George is the closest. It's 61. Ooh. 61 goals. So you're close to getting the double points there. So it is George one, Steve one. Mm. Alex, still out of doors, mate. Still got another question here. The next question is on MK Dons, and it's on Macaulay Bond's goal, the opening goal against them last season at Portland Road. What a goal that was. Now, who set him up for that goal? Was it Scott Fraser? Remember him? Kane Vincent Young or Wesley Burns? Who set him up for that goal? That was a great, great finish from, from Macaulay on that day. Of course, it was a 2-2 draw. Oh, oh, George now just remembered it. Remembered it. He was watching, watching it back in his head. There <laughs> we go. Well, oh, George, who do you reckon? <laughs> It's Kane Vincent Young. Okay, Alex? KVY. A1's gone KVY. Of course it was KVY. What a ball it was. Great touch from McCauley. And then boom, in the back of the net. What a goal that was. Definitely, I know Burson Selena's goal was very good. But in terms of just the whole situation, it was a great finish and great goal. Um, but yeah, so it's 2-2-1. Two, two, Question four is coming up now. And um, Alex, you need to get it get it right to then go to a tiebreaker. If you don't, and if the other guys get it right as well, then, well, we may need a tiebreaker. Um, now, Louis Barry, remember him? He's now at MK Dons. Um, he was here briefly last season and then got uh, sent back to Aston Villa and then went on loan to Swindon. Um, got him in the playoffs, but they lost in the playoffs, of course. But now, what shirt number did he wear during his time at town? Was it 12, 18, or 22? Of course, the shirt numbers fans will know that bang on. Um, George looks like he's he's confident. He's running it down very quickly there. Um, Alex just have a little think, but um, it's fine, mate. It's fine. Um, <laughs> he was right. He was right here briefly, mate. He was here. He was right. He was here briefly. Um, oh, I had hopes for him. I had a Villa fan telling me how yeah. lucky we were to have him. Yeah, but um, like I'm sure he's a he's a decent little footballer. It just didn't work out. I think at the time we just didn't need him because we had other players in that position. Um, but there we go. Okay then. Well, Alex, what do you reckon? 12, 18, 22. or twenty-two? 22. George? Uh, yeah, 12. 12. 18 for Corley Barn and 22 is Toto Enciala, I think. I'm an Andy Warren super fan, so I have to get that. Well done. Well done. Yeah, Very course. good. There we go. So, yes, it is 12. So, we have to go to a tiebreaker. Um, Alex, still play at home, my friend. Still play. Um, but Steve and George will go head to head. Um, if Well, Alex, if you get a bang on, you can actually take the crown. But George and Steve, if you get closest, you actually win. And if you get a bang on, then you win overall. But um, it is Steve versus George going head to head. But Alex, if you get a bang on, you do win it. Now, this man celebrates his birthday very soon. Um, so I thought, we've got to do it. We've got to do a question on it. And it's David Johnson. 
David Johnson. Now, how many goals did he score for town in 152 games? Now, it's the, the second David Johnson, of course, the one in the 90s, um, 2000 team, not the 70s, 80s David Johnson. Um, I think he's mainly called Dave. I think they mainly called him Dave Johnson. Of course, David Johnson, um, part of the you know, promotion-winning team and all that jazz, blue hair and everything. Um, but how many goals did he score? 152 games. How many goals? Um, Alex, we'll start with you. Um, let's see if you can get it bang on. I won't, of course, let you know that you got to bang on until George and Steve told me, because just in case they go, yeah, I said that too. <laughs> I just want to say DJ was one of my favourite, favourite players. I absolutely loved him. At Wembley, got injured. Oh, what a player. Yeah, 86. Definitely. How much was that, sorry? 86. 86. Right, George, Steve? Oh, he's got 86 as well. <laughs> okay. I mean, if I say 86, I can't lose, right? Very true, very true. <laughs> but I, 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 ooh, I don't know. I don't know if he's I can a bit trust sure. A little bit before my time, just about Ross. Maybe yeah. our time. I don't know. I'll say, yeah, uh, I'll say, I'll say 85. <laughs> I like your plan there. I like your plan there. I mean, you're right to play like that because it's 62. Don't you? So, George, you won, my friend. Um, well, speech, how, how does it feel to win the strike on your debut on the podcast? I mean, a humble, humble in victory. So, uh, congratulations to my other two competitors. I'm just sorry you're just nowhere near as good as me. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Good talk. Good talk. Well, another great strike. He scored 62 because didn't he get 30 one season? Um, no, just 23. I've got his stats up here. So his first season, 22. Second season, 14. Third season, 23. The, um, of course, the playoff season. And then three goals in... in yeah, in those the league Premier goals, league though? Um, so, yeah, so 22 league goals in the playoff season and then one in the cup. Because I'm sure there was one season. If you added his league, his cup goals to his league goals, he got 30. No, 23. Just 23, yeah. I've got... There we are. There we go. But yeah, very, very good. Yeah, very good player. Of course, um, was able to play international football for a lot of lot of countries: Jamaica, um, England, Scotland, I think Wales. Yeah. Um, I think that's on that another off that another country actually. Yeah, yes, mate. You yeah, I'm sure you got. We should have um, when his son was born, the one who plays mm. for Forest. We should have made David Johnson sign something that said he had to play for us because he looks yes. a bright player. He is unbelievable. Does. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember, I remember him see, I remember seeing him score a hat trick for Nottingham Forest on the twenty threes at Portland Road, and we're like, yeah, he, he's a player, like father like son, and uh, yeah, he's now ripping up playing Premier League football, which is, which is great to see. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's what it makes us a lot of us feel old now. Seeing players we loved watching when we were younger now having their sons playing football is just, it's just, yeah, it's just part and parcel of football nowadays, which is great to see. Okay, then, lads. Back to league action this weekend. Milton Keynes Dons are in town. Um, another big crowd expected upon. I think 22,000 tickets have been sold. Um, George, how are you feeling going to this one? Uh, of course, we're technically we are um, unbeaten in the league. Um, yeah. But of course, we got, we're not unbeaten now in terms of all competitions. But we've got four points on the boards. Looking all right in the league. Um, how are you feeling going to this one? Do you know, the fact that MK Dons have lost their opening two games makes me confident and the complete opposite at the same time. I can't see MK Dons losing three games in a row. But, you know, I shouldn't get caught up in that. Uh, my heart tells me 2-1. But my heart told me 2-1 at home against Bolton last week. So, um, 
who knows? But uh, we do like a 2-2 or a 0-0 against MK Dons. So, um, yeah, no, I'll stick with 2-1. We'll, I, think we'll, I think we'll be all right. I, MK Dons have lost. I say they, I don't think they've lost loads of players, but Harry Darling and, and Scott Twine were the two standout players last year, I think. And losing both of those can't be easy. And um, I think they've had a, a real sort of overhaul of players as well, like, like we did last year. And we know how long it took us to click. So uh, hopefully it's the same for them and uh, we'll get a win. Yeah, um, I was speaking to the um, basically MK Dons journalist um, talking about, you know, for Meet the Oppo series we do. And um, it sounds like it's very similar to us last summer. Um, a lot of players out, a lot of players in, time to gel and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it is very interesting. And of course, yeah, two two defeats in a row. They actually won in the cup, though. They actually beat Sutton United. So they're in the second round. I think they've got Watford away. So, you know, that's what I mean. We could have got a Premier League club. We could have got a nice little trip to a Premier League club, but that wasn't the case. Alex, how are you feeling going to this one, my friend? Liam Manning versus Kieran McKenna, two young coaches going head-to-head once again. Last time, it was like a chess match because both of them play very good football, just couldn't cancel each other out. It was nil-nil. But... It's going to be very interesting at Portland Road. Big crowd. How are you feeling going into this one? Yeah, I think if we if we have any ambitions, I know it's very early, but if we have any ambitions of getting out of this league, we have to beat the sides that are bottom of the table. Whether it's MK Dons or whoever it is that's coming to Portland Road, we really need to establish that. I know it's very early. Um, but suddenly, because of that defeat, in a little, a little bit, kind of puts a little bit more pressure on the boys now. And then they really do have to go out and win this game. That's very important to just get that momentum going. McKenna will pick pretty much the same team. I don't think there'll be any changes, much change from the Forest Green match. I think he's going to can stick with that. And that's good. Um, huge support there. Again, the, the elephant in the room is, is are we short of a striker? Um, I really hope the DARPO scores. They play the game the right way, which will help us. They will come and play the game on the deck on a gorgeously sunny day on that Portman Road pitch. And I think that will help us. The key is not to concede and the key is a good start. If we, if we can get an early goal, it's really good for us. I think that's a sign in other games. If we score early, teams have to come at us and it really leaves us open to great counterattacks because Wes Burns has not started yet. Wes Burns, sorry to say, it has not played particularly well the first two games. He's looked really sluggish for me. Um, he's a wonderful player and I love him. He's had his moments with some great deliveries, don't get me wrong, but for his standards, he hasn't clicked in yet. But the problem is, is that teams have worked us out once they go ahead against us. It's not rocket science to defend against us. Um, but I'm hugely positive. I think we'll win, but I think we have to win. I think we have to beat teams like this when they come to Portman Road. Um, and it, it does take on, it's a, it's a big game. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a really important game for us. And um, I hope that we continue to see the patterns that were evolving against Bolton and Forest Green. And um, I just wonder, is there going to be a striker through the door? That's what I'm really fascinated about. But in terms of Saturday, we really have to beat teams at the bottom of the league if we have any ambitions of getting out this year. Indeed. And yeah, MK Dons, they are a promotion rival, technically, with um, with last season they're finishing third, of course, losing in the playoffs in the end. But um, Steve, how are you feeling going into this one, my friend? Back at Portman Road. Um, we played Bolton, who are going to be up there as well this year. We've got a point against them. Um, but this is going to be an interesting game against two young coaches. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I also, I don't want to look too far ahead, but we've got two good opportunities here. We've got MK Dons on Saturday and we've got Burton away on Tuesday, both of whom have had poor starts in the league. And I think, I think I'm think i right in saying Burton got knocked out of the cup as well. Um, 
so there's a chance for six points there and i hope we take it um the one thing i would mention is the heat um i i don't know if you if you were, i don't know if you were all at the bowling game or not but at the final whistle um almost all of their players collapsed onto the pitch either onto their knees or their haunches they were absolutely exhausted and that's because probably the last 20 25 minutes we'd run them ragged and it wasn't as hot that day as it will be on saturday so if we can keep up our our pace of play, keep I'll keep our press high, um, and use those five subs well. Then I could see us basically outlasting MK Dons just because they haven't got as probably strong a squad depth as we have. So I, I think the Heat will play a big a big part. It's going to be 30, 35, isn't it? Yeah. What, what's your score prediction? What are you going for? Two nil, both Ladapo. Oh, Ladapo on the score sheet. Yes, please. Um, Alex, I don't know if I heard it right. I was listening to you when you were speaking, but just to clarify your prediction again. I'm sticking with 2-1. I've said that for every game. No, I didn't. I said, what did I say for Forest Green? I can't remember. Yeah, 2-1. 2-1. I like that. I like that. Now, um, I want to quickly just talk about pre-match. We've done this before on the fan social, but we've got new guys now. I want to see if you do anything differently for a pre-match. And um, we actually got um, a message in from John Mick Mickelwright. I think that's how you say it. I'm sorry, John, if I said it wrong. I hope you are listening. And um, he's actually bringing his young family down, his wife, um, from Dorset to the MK Dons game. Their first visit back to Porton Road for 18 years. 18 years. I was eight years old the last time I was at Porton Road. Sorry, John, to make you feel old. Um, but yeah, he said, other than the fan zone, any suggestions for young supporters on the day? Uh, Max six. Um, his um, son is six, called Max, and Imogen, uh, his daughter, four. Um, so, George, um, I'm sure you probably won't be that age. I'm sure you'll be in a pub somewhere, but... Um, just some advice for John, just in case you have any family, friends who, who, who could go to the fans. Anything else or advice for a away day or for fans coming back to for the first time in ages? Do you know what? Just quickly going back to Forest Green, it is all relevant. Uh, it makes me realise how lucky away fans are when they come to Ipswich, you know, because they get off the train and there's so much to do. Uh, all the pubs, everything. As soon as you step out of the train station, you can see the ground. Um, so I would say to John, uh, just get <coughs> Just get into the town, get in amongst it. You know, it's um, it's great. I love, I love the pre-match atmosphere and just everyone's got a buzzing to get into the ground. Uh, I I wouldn't know what to what to do with a uh, with a young child because uh, yeah, um, but yeah, just get in town and I think I think town fans are are very friendly for the most part. So yeah, have some conversations, meet some new people, and uh, I'm sure they'll all be interested to hear that you're back for the first time in however long. So. Yeah, get involved. Yeah, like the fan zone is amazing if in terms of for young kids. There's loads of activities going on. Um, of course, it is a hot day, so make sure sun cream, hydration, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, as you said, if you get coming from the train, you got every you know town is right there. You got Cardinal Park, loads of different restaurants, different things to do. So John, enjoy it with the family, and I'm um, hopefully it won't be another 18 years since you, you make your return after the MK Dons game because 18 years, oof. But you do live in Dorset, that's a long way away. But I um, hope you do enjoy your day, my friend. Um, and George, just quickly go back to you. Um, what is your pre-match routine, mate? What, what's your what do you do before a game? What I'm I'm in the Greyhound uh, um, about one o'clock uh, with Carl, who you've had on game day. We've got Billy the Bass, we call him. Uh, so that's we're, we're there. We get involved. Um, right, I have steak. I have steak pie um, with chips and peas. Um, I always I always get um, ripped for this, but I have my chips in a separate bowl. 
I don't like the gravy and chips touching each other. They all say I'm a prima donna. I'm a bit of a princess, but I'd like your opinion on it, really. What What do you think? Do you think that makes sense? It's a free country. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I'll let them know that. Yeah. Do you, do you like gravy, like, though? Do you like gravy? Well, I do like gravy, but controlled amounts of it, you know? We like yeah. to just have the, have the option. And then once I've done that, we're straight down the ground. I usually get in the ground about only sort of 20 minutes before kickoff. I'm not too worried about watching the warm-ups and, uh, yeah, get straight into it. I like it. Yeah, Greyhound is a big choice. And, of course, um, the guy who owns it is a big town fan as well. So he always... And I know, Steve, you're nodding your head straight away. Like, yeah, that's your, that's your normal go-to, in it, my friend, when you're here because you it's southwest at the moment. But uh, when you do get to games, that is where you go. Yeah, I've been going to the Greyhound before town games since 1990. I can remember the first game I went down there. Um, and and, I, and as a pub... It's it was great then, and it's probably, in my opinion, and I live in Bristol, which has a lot of great pubs. It's the best pub in the country, possibly the world. Um, <laughs> but I love it, yeah. Um, and meet all my friends there. Um, sorry, was I supposed to go into all my match day rituals or just that bit? <laughs> no, so no, you carry on, mate. Carry on. We're, we're intrigued. I mean, I, I have a bit of an obsession in that I don't. Even if I'm only coming to Suffolk for 24 hours for the game, I have to wake up in Suffolk on the day of the game. I don't like driving over in the morning and then staying the Saturday night. If you see what I mean, there's something about waking up in my my home county. Um, just on going back to the fan zone and our, the question we had from the reader, um, the only thing I would say is um, I went in the fan zone about half two on the day of the Bolton game. And that wasn't, again, talking about the weather, it wasn't as hot as it will be on Saturday. And there was something about the floor, the AstroTurf, it felt like it was radiating heat upwards towards our feet and ankles and calves. So make sure you've got sun cream on your feet. Something weird was happening. Not on your feet, on your legs. Something weird was happening. And I wouldn't, given what Saturday's going to be like, I wouldn't allocate a whole hour to be standing in there because there's not a lot of shade. But like you say, overall, that is an amazing facility and most clubs um, would, would chop a limb off for that. I think it was Alex was talking about the Forest Green fans. And on, on the one hand, you don't tend to get a fan zone as an away fan, so that was quite nice. But it was it was just a marquee with one bench in it. And because it was so hot, the marquee was like the surface of the sun. So yeah. no one was going in there. <laughs> so, you know, nice try, but um, maybe rethink your approach, Forest Green. Work harder. Work harder, indeed. Um, so left to you, Alex. Um, what's your pre-match routine? What does Alex do when he comes to Portland Road? Breathing the atmosphere, all that sort of stuff. I'm sure there's a point. There's food involved. What, what, what do you do? Well, just talking to your the person who, who got in contact, I would take the kids straight away to the club shop because it gets very busy. I'd get them upstairs and then I'd get them to see the ground. Because the great thing about the club shop, it's one of those rare places where you can walk in upstairs and you can see the ground and everybody warming up and all well, what's happening. I love that. I love that about the club, the way that you can walk into the club shop and see the ground through that huge that huge window. Get the kids up there early, get them excited and buzzing, and then they're going to want you to spend loads of money in the club shop. But get that do, do that first, get them in, because it'll get really busy, and then go and do what you've got to do, because everything's so close. As for my, <clears throat> my rituals, excuse me, I've, I've lived in New Zealand for 14 years. So whenever Ipswich were on live, or whatever time it was, there was, new, there was alcohol involved. I think I was relatively drunk for every Ipswich game I ever saw in it in, in, in New Zealand, no matter what time it was on, because I was always so nervous. <coughs> Excuse me. What I do know is that I still get incredibly nervous about games. 
when I wake up and I know there's a game on, I'm, I'm always buzzing. It's still the same. The 38 years of supporting this bloody team, it hasn't changed. Now I get to see Bono, you two, Matthew, Matt, Matthias, you know, the man with seven names, hang out at a Greyhound. I love the Greyhound. Get to see all the KOA crew. I have a pint. I enjoy that pint more than I ever enjoy any other pint because I know what it's going to lead to. Um, and yeah, I love the Greyhound. I think it's a great, great place. So my routines have, have generally been on the other side of the world. So now I love the, I love the idea of, of catching up with all the crew, all the friends that I've made in the last 18 months through KOA and through yourself, Ross. So the experience has changed a great deal. For, for a long time, it was on the other side of the world on television. Whenever I can, wherever I could see it, which wasn't that often. That was always a big event for me. Um, but now it's it's great to go and um, still get the same buzz. It, it doesn't change. No, it doesn't change from when you're a wee nipper. Steve? No. Just going to say, if we're all going in the Greyhound and there's 27,000 nearly there against Bolton, where, where's everyone else drinking? Yeah. Are, are there any other Lipschitz pubs? There are other spots. Black Horse is one, isn't it? Not that I know. Yeah, it. Black Horse. Yeah, Black Horse. I think there's a few like Liam from Crew. Good old Peachy goes in there. They're, What's on, the on one next to the bus station? Uh, the Plow. That's it. Plow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think some, I think some people go there. There's loads of pubs in there. There's loads of pubs people go to. Um, George, were you going to say something there, my friend? No, no. I was just thinking. There's one uh, where Zizi used to be on St Nicholas Street or next to it. There's one. I think a lot of the North Stands go in. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's a Brewer's Arms as well. I think there's Brewer's yeah. Arms. I think some people go to. Yeah, there's there's loads. I think that's one thing as well. I know there's more and more pubs in Itchwich back in the day, but there's still a lot of good pubs still in Itchwich. I think the Dove as well. The Dove is a good one as well. A lot of people go to. Um, and that have a, I think, a pub that's run by town fans. Uh, but yeah, I think, yeah. John? Hope you enjoy your day with your wife, with your kids. Um, it should be a good day. And Alex, good shout about the club shop. Um, yeah, John, you probably won't be thanking Alex if the, the you know your kids want to buy this <laughs> shirt, that shirt, all this merchandise. But uh, it's a great opportunity to see the pitch before the players and the fans are in the ground. You can see it. Um, and, of course, when it's sunny, it's looking, looking beautiful. Oh. Well, boys, it's been a fantastic podcast. George, Alex, Steve, thanks for joining me. Um, George, before we go, though, any other business, my friend? The only thing I did want to say, when Alex mentioned Don Ball earlier, um, that injury really concerns me. The You know when you get a manager to say, oh, he's just got a little ankle niggle, uh, this week's coming a bit too soon for him, and then all of a sudden next week's too soon for him, and then the week's just tick by and tick by. How many times did we hear it with Teddy Bishop, Emir Hughes, uh, oh, the list goes on. They've got a little ankle niggle and then they're out for the season. So let's just hope that one isn't as bad as we think because I think he could really add a lot to the team. But um, that's what I wanted to say. Ah, good shout, mate. It's a good shout. You always worry about those. Yeah, because Don Ball, I was excited. You know, pre-season, a unit impressed me. Open day of season. Yeah. Oh, he's injured. Oh, that's sad times. And he hasn't, we haven't seen him since, but hopefully he's back at some point. Please, Don, please. Um, well, thanks, George. It's been a pleasure. Alex, any other business, my friend? Yeah, desperate to see, desperate to see Don Ball. Really desperate. He's my kind of player. Sitting in front, nasty, whatever he does, love to see him. Can't wait, can't wait to see him. Um, and is there an is there a striker coming in? Um, because if there isn't, we need to give Ladapo a run, trust him, and uh, let him play the next half a dozen games. Um, but yeah, great to be back. Thanks for having us, Ross. Top man, top man as always. And Steve, over to you. You've got a chance now to wrap up the show in style. Any other business? 
I do have one bit of business, actually. Um, I said earlier how Sam Morsey is head and shoulders above most of our rest of our players, if not all of them, and probably will be above most of other players in the division. But when someone's that good, they deserve a good song. And he hasn't got a song, has he? We've got ones for mm. Chaplin, for Burns. Technically, he has got a song, but it doesn't really well, go, I heard does one. it? I heard one at Forest Green being tried. I don't know if it was the Blue Action Boys or or someone else. It was kind of one of those fast, clappy ones that yeah. had probably too many words in it because we're all simpletons, yeah. aren't we? Um, but yeah, well, I love Blue Action. And when my wife's not looking, I'll, I'll donate money to them so they can buy some more flags and stuff. But yes, yeah, yeah. I need to come up with like a proper, decent anthem we can all belt out for Sam Morsey. He's got he's the, the You To Me Are Everything one, isn't he? Yeah, we why hasn't that, that caught on? I haven't heard that. I haven't heard it. Ross will give you a demonstration. Yeah, I, I didn't actually know. hear what I didn't. What, I didn't hear what you say. What, what did you say? Everything. You to me are everything. My very no, own you Egyptian could... king, Sam Morsey. That one. You you done it, mate. Yes. Carry on. Carry on with it. Yeah. No, that's all right. Like that. <laughs> you to me are everything. everything my very own Egyptian king, Sam Morsey. Yeah. yeah. Sam Morsey. Yeah, yeah. Still like that. Yeah, I think that Alex yeah. is absolutely nailed that. Yeah, that was good. Cool. We need to do is sing that on repeat. People were getting um, flustered about it when it was on Twitter, suggested. Yeah. Like, oh,
Facebook slash Audrey.